grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Special welcome to those of you watching online. If you are watching live via Facebook, do us a favor, hit like, hit share. That is a way to invite all of your friends to worship today. Let's go to our God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this chance to worship today, to be together, whether here in person or online. Lord, help us to be present with you. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share this message, and Lord, let it be your message. Speak through me, speak in spite of me as I submit myself to you, and I pray that we all would be willing to do the same, to submit ourselves to the power of your Holy Spirit to speak truth to us, even even if it convicts, Lord, let that be spoken to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Some two months or so ago, the congregation of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Hood River, Oregon, voted to extend divine call to me. And thus began uh, weeks and weeks of worry, of trouble, of discernment, of lots of prayer, and one of the most difficult decisions of my entire life. But in the end, it really wasn't about my decision at all. You'll see why in a minute. But first, let's back up to give a little context. So Christ Memorial is part of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, LCMS. It's a particular flavor or sect of the Lutheran denomination. There are other uh, different synods. There's the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, Wells, as it's often called. There's the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, ELCA. There's even LCMC, which is Lutheran Congregations and Mission for Christ. You don't hear about that one quite as often, a little smaller. Um, but these are all kind of different flavors, different doctrines of Lutheranism, if you will. Well, as an LCMS pastor, that means that I went through training, got a graduate degree at one of two seminaries. There's one in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and one in St. Louis, Missouri. And that's where I went was Missouri. And that's why we're called the Missouri Synod, by the way, because the headquarters are there in St. Louis, right? Um, and coming out of seminary, uh, that first call, that, 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 that four-year education included a year of intensive, uh, basically being an intern. Uh, it's called a vicar, uh, and they tell you where to go. They don't, you don't get to pick. You get to go to some church somewhere across America. I actually got the chance to have mine right there in St. Louis, so I didn't have to move. Um, but when you graduate from seminary, they, they have this big ceremony, big pomp and circumstance. They call you up to the front and they give you a little envelope with your name and the name of a church on it. And that church is your first call. It's an arranged marriage in every sense of the concept, right? And, uh, and that is where you go. That is where you serve as pastor at your first call. Well, from there, actually, the, the pastor does have a little more say for, for the next place to go, right? And the way it works is, so we have the LCMS, that is the governing church body. Underneath that, there are districts. They're regional, geographic, though there are some non-geographic districts. Um, and then underneath that, there, you know, there's circuits and regions and whatever, but, but ultimately it's the congregation. So if a congregation finds themselves in need of a pastor, whether uh, their pastor has retired, moved on, or they're looking for a second pastor, they contact the district. 
And the district gets to put on the Fiddler on the Roof soundtrack and, and do a little matchmaking. Somebody might get that reference. Matchmaker, matchmaker, find me a fine, catch me a... That's right, a musical theater. They didn't let me sing with a microphone, though, strangely enough. Anyway, um, put me in the back. But uh, so they get to play matchmaker. They essentially, they get a little profile from the church that says this is the demographic study. Uh, this is the history of the church. This is kind of the personality of the church that is looking to call a pastor. And the, the district reps flip through their digital Rolodex, uh, their big national database, and they pull out some 15 or so names of pastors that they provide to this congregation, that then that congregation usually sits down with, whether it be a, a call committee, which is a you know, group of people within the congregation, or board of elders, whatever, and they go through these profiles and they say, this one, not this one, maybe that one, and they end up with a list of five to seven names or so, and then somebody, head of call committee, congregational president, whoever, is in charge of calling those pastors and saying, hey, would you be interested in having the conversation about this call. Up to this point, the pastor has no idea that his name has been submitted to a church. Now, my personal policy, as these churches would call, is I'll always have the conversation, right? Because it is a process of divine call. We believe that God is at work in the call, right? So I'll always have the conversation. Usually what that looks like is a one or two, whether it be that first one with that call congregational president or later on with another group, they come to know me, I come to know them, and eventually we just kind of go, yeah, I don't know that it's a good fit, right? Because let's be honest, I'm not a normal LCMS pastor. I'm not wearing a suit and tie. I've got kind of a youthful energy about me. If I were an ice cream flavor, I'd be pistachio, right? Like some people love it, some people just not their thing. And that's fine. I'll take a no thanks. That's I'm perfectly, I'm mature enough to handle that, right? Um, now, this is a process that usually doesn't happen all that often. Uh, usually a pastor, maybe will get one or two conversations, call and in inquiries per year. However, in the midst of COVID, as I've talked about, the LCMS clergy are aging, right? We're getting older. Um, the vast majority of percentage-wise of LCMS pastors are nearing retirement. And then as we went through, oh, I don't know, a global pandemic where months felt like years, especially in ministry where there was no right answer, right? You had people in a congregation saying, if you do this, I will leave this church. And then you had other people saying, if you don't do that, I will leave this church. And you're going, we can't win, right? So all these poor pastors that were nearing retirement probably had a number of good years left in them. They were burned through in the midst of COVID. So there were a lot of churches that were have been looking for pastors all that to say that over the past six months i have been contacted by seven different churches um, and most of those conversations again pretty cut and dry however the church in hood river oregon contacted and it just kind of stuck with me and, and there was something there that, that god just kept kind of drawing me back to now, why am I telling you all this? Apart from just kind of helping you to understand the process and, and the polity and how things work, um, because I look at our gospel reading. I look at our, our, our New Testament reading, and I see God challenging us as Christians into being uncomfortable. I see Jesus talking to his disciples and saying, stop thinking about things of man and start focusing on things of God. 
Because see, when this church in Hood River extended me the call, that's when things get serious, because that's something to take seriously. That's when you sit down and you, you write out your pros and cons, and you, you do all your budget sheets and housing costs and all of those things, right? Your future planning and all of that. And Jesus is telling his disciples, stop focusing on the things of man and start focusing on the things of God. Be willing to bear your cross. And the reason that this church in Oregon kind of kept popping up is I was told, uh, so right now, here in Texas, we're part of the Bible Belt. You guys know that, right? Here's the southern kind of swath of the United States, the Bible Belt, right? And of course, that's kind of eroded a little bit culturally over time in the past couple years, decade or so. It's gotten a little less potent. It's still there. Um, There's still kind of this cultural understanding that church is probably something that you should consider, right? Well, there's another part of the country that is often called the unchurched belt. And that is Northern California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho. I was told that Oregon is the second least religious state in the country. And Hood River, as a tiny little town, 8,000 or so, per some survey, is the least religious city in Oregon. This is a mission field. And I've shared before that I have a passion for the unchurched, the de-churched, the people who've been wounded by church. And I look at this and say, God, what are you leading me towards? God, what are you calling me towards? I've preached so many times about how we, the church, capital C, not Christ Memorial, the whole church, uh, the, the priesthood of all believers, that we are called to be uncomfortable. And so as this call came in, if my response was, you know what, I've got a pretty nice house. I like the neighborhood that I'm in. I really love the church that I'm at. I'm comfortable now. I think I'm good. I don't want to respond to this call. If that was my response, I would feel like a hypocrite. I would feel like I'm turning my back on what I have preached for so long. God is calling me and has gifted me to be able to to share the message to this, this place where there are so many who desperately need to hope. I look at my life and I see that my, my siblings aren't in church. Some of my closest friends are non-believers and, and outspokenly so. I've said before that that God has gifted me to be able to speak the language of the atheist. And unfortunately, in the LCMS, that's a language and a culture that a lot of pastors struggle with through no fault of their own. And so I see God is calling me into this mission field, and truly, it is a mission field. It's the closest you can be to be a missionary and still be in this country. And so I had to respond. My life verse comes from Isaiah chapter 6 where God says, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And it's not safe, it's not comfortable, it's scary. I I said earlier, it's bittersweet. I'm waiting for the sweet part to kick in, but I trust in God. Now again, why am I telling you this? What does this mean for you? Well, first of all, earlier somebody asked me, what does this mean for, for Christ? Well, my goodness, it's never been about me. It's not about me. It's not about your pastor. 
It is about the church. It's about the priesthood of all believers. It's about this community. And there are incredible things happening in this church, in this school. We have record enrollment in the school. That's amazing. This church is growing. It's triple the size that it was when I arrived here. There are so many exciting things happening here. And it's not about me. There are so many things that you can be proud of, be part of Christ's memorial. But more than that, what does this mean for you individually? What does this scripture mean for you individually? For me in full-time ministry, to bear my cross, to bear the cross, means to go to places where I'm uncomfortable. To proclaim hope to those who maybe are straight-up adversarial to it. That's what it means for me. What does it mean for you, though? What cross is Jesus calling you to bear? What uncomfortable situation is God asking you to be? And I don't know what it is for you, but I'm going to guess you do. I'm going to guess when you're hearing this, there's something that's rising to the front of your mind and you're going, oh, he's talking about this. Because that's how the Holy Spirit works. Maybe it's a conversation that you need to have with your neighbor to invite them to church to, to talk about faith. Maybe it's a conversation with your kid about faith. Maybe it's a conversation with yourself about leaving behind a habit, leaving behind a, an addiction, a behavior, an attitude. Maybe it's about uh, finding a new path. Maybe it is about ministry. Maybe God is calling you to do more when it comes to the church, when it comes to helping out in the community. Maybe God is calling you to leave behind the comfortable because, man, it'd be easy to stay safe, wouldn't it? It'd be easy to stay comfortable. It'd be easy to say, no, 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 this is familiar. This, this, is, this is my happy area. I'm good here. But God says, no, pick up your cross and follow me. And when I, I preached on Psalm 23, if you remember, this is one of my first sermons here, that though God is leading you to, on the paths to greener pastures, what's along the way? the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to pass through difficult times. Don't abandon your message. Don't abandon your path. Don't abandon God's guidance during that time. Trust in Him in all things. And here's why. We don't just do this out of obligation. We don't just do this because we have to, because the Bible says so, because the preacher says so. No, we do this because we have a God who knows what it means to be uncomfortable. We have a God who didn't just sit back in the throne room and like shout down to people, hey, figure it out. Hey, hey, I told you what to do. What are you doing wrong down there? Oh, they, oh, they never get this right. Like he didn't just stay in paradise. We have a God who entered into our lives in, in the first century, like before air conditioning, in the desert, wearing sandals. You guys ever gotten a rock in your sandal? Well, Jesus did. He knows what it means to be uncomfortable. He walked around among his people. He mourned. He wept at the loss of his friend. He went through such anxiety and panic and fear that it says that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane preparing for what lay ahead. His sweat poured out of him like blood. That He was so anxious about it that he, he went to his friends and said, I need support during this time. And they kept falling asleep. And he just was getting angrier and angrier. And he's going, guys, why can't you stay awake during this time? And yet, he was able to pray the prayer, not my will, but thine. 
every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. May God's will be done, even if it draws us out of our comfort zone. We have a God who was willing to leave his comfort zone and go to Golgotha. And even from the cross, even in the midst of the pain and torture, he says, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. We have a God who knows what it means to be uncomfortable. That's why we can be bold enough to walk into the uncomfortable. Because we know that this world isn't it. Take your mind off the things of this world. They're off your mind off the things of man. Start focusing on the things of God. How is God calling you? I want to share a story. And I, I share this. It's not even necessarily topical to, to the message, but it's so powerful. And it reminds us of why we do what we do. It reminds us of who we serve. It reminds us of who we follow. See, we've been praying for, for months for Kimberly Hare's mom who needed a lung transplant. And she, midweek or so, got the call that, that there was a potential uh, donor. There was a potential uh, lung available. And so they rushed to the hospital. And it turns out it was a match. And that lung has been installed I don't know what the right term is. It's in there, and it's working, and like she's up and walking around now. It's astounding what, what the medical world can do, right? But what Kimberly called, and she was just overjoyed, and she shared this. She said well, the doctor told them when they take the lung out of, out of the donor, which like out of tragedy comes a miracle, right? Out of pain comes life. And they, he, she said that, that he holds this lung, which is flat, in his hand, and he just massages it. And if, if it's a good lung, if it's, the muscles are right in there, it actually inflates. And that song that we just sang, she quoted that to me. It's his breath in our lungs. Every breath that we draw in is a gift from God. It is a miracle. We overlook it because it happens every second of every day, and yet what a powerful gift it is from our God. May we never lose sight of that. Maybe that breath gets a little restricted at times. Maybe panic sets in and gets a little faster, and we're having a hard time catching our breath, and yet it's still there. May we remember that every moment is a gift from God. No matter where we are, no matter how we are serving, no matter who is there with us, it is a gift from God that we can rejoice and be glad in. May we find peace in knowing that as we get uncomfortable, we have a God who's been there, who got uncomfortable for us. May we know that no matter where we go, no matter who we serve, no matter how we serve, no matter how we respond to God's call, he will never leave us nor forsake us, never abandon us. Our God is so much bigger than anything we have in this world. Praise him for that. And above all else, know that we have a God who is with you. No matter what, our God is with you. Amen.